right, folks, we are on. And guess what? It's Christmas, everyone. When this, uh, when this, when this is coming out, it's actually Christmas Eve, believe it or not. So, I wanted to spread some holiday cheer. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Short little intro. You know Peter and Lois and Stewie Griffin, Brian and Cleveland, and even Meg too. But do you recall? The most famous Griffin of all. Here we go. Mason, the podcast reindeer, had a very epic show. And if you ever heard it, heard it. you would never say it blows. <laughs> all of the other podcasts, podcasts used to laugh and torch his ass. <laughs> they never let poor Mason teach that little podcast class no they never did then one foggy christmas eve joe rogan came to say mason with your show so bright won't you smoke me out tonight then all the podcasts <laughs> loved him as they shouted out with glee Yippee. Mason, the podcast reindeer. Reindeer. You're part of the Griffin family. <laughs> Bitch, I'm back on my combo. <laughs> <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. Happy holidays from the oh, oh, list. Oh. We've made it. I got the new headphones. Mason's in his fucking childhood bedroom in, yep. in the dirty DG. We're fucking lit tonight. We are lit. We're fucking lit tonight, Mason. It's the seventh day of litmus, and my true love gave to me fucking supreme two bars. Ba I don't fucking know. That's I'm doing my best out here, folks. It's the holiday season. The holidays are typically a stressful time because, you know, you got to make the nog. You got to decorate the holiday tree. You got to make your gingerbread houses. You got to buy You got to decorate the hog. That's what I always say <laughs> during the holiday season. You know uh, I mean? Yes, 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 yes. Um, For any non-Christians listening who happen to be celebrating Hanukkah, it would, tonight's the eighth night as we're recording, so that's pretty dope. Yeah, crazy nights. Who might be listening to this? Mm -hmm. Excuse me, guest, hi. How's it, how's it going over there? Someone we haven't introduced yet. That's okay. No worries. We like to do that sometimes, like to come in before our queue. No worries. Hi. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, not to get too ahead of the show, but Yukon Cornelius is joining us tonight, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yukon Cornelius. Yeah, from um, Mason. Yeah, what's up? I hope you're having an all right holiday season. When this comes out, it'll be the holiday time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope you're having fun. That's all I hope to say. I hope that you're not stressed. Thank you, brother. And you know what? I hope that you are having a nice holiday season as well. I hope that, you know, you're eating well. You're spending a lot of time with folks that you love. You're getting nice new headphones as gifts. I did. I did. Yes. I did get a fucking nice pair of headphones. Yeah. From Matt. Matt's headphones. Matt's headphones, folks. Those are not going to be available <laughs> uh, in the it's on the list catering line. Uh, not no. yet, at least. We've not 
made a deal to to sell Matt's headphones, but who knows? Maybe someday. It's on the menu is the name of our catering company. Yes, that's right. It's on the menu. Um, But yeah, you know what? Uh, Thank you. Uh, You know, and the guest knows that things have been a little (laughs) wild for me recently in the city of Chicago. But you know what? I'm in a safe place. I'm with my family. I'm going to breathe some fresh air, enjoy the quiet of uh, home um, for the holiday season, and then enter 2021 uh, on a new on a new positive tip. I'm feeling I'm feeling okay, brother. You know, that's all we can do at this point. Uh, It's been a weird year. It's coming to a close. It kind of just feels like we're gonna just slide into 2021 and there's not going to be a huge fanfare like there are in some years that oh boy the clock's turning no it just kind of feels like we're just gonna go right into whatever's next and you know what that's cool energy i like that i'm here for it and uh i just hope it's not too nonsense how are you doing buddy how are you doing over there i'm doing great I'm doing great, Mason. Excellent. I didn't. I didn't register a word of what you just said. To be totally fucking oh, honest cool. with you, y- you know what? Um, yeah, yeah. But that's that's is that is that actually cool? <laughs> because you sound pissed that I no, didn't fucking register I, a hey, word of man, that. Listen, we're recording this. This is going to be on the internet for forever, for as long as the internet's around. So that's true. You can hear back to what I said, and maybe it'll register eventually. Doesn't matter to me. I know most people. I you know if you skip through this part. That's just fine with me too. Uh, this is like Marin. The first fifteen minutes of Marin, you skip because it fucking sucks. But yeah, guess dude. what? On this podcast, it's the opposite. You stick around for the first fifteen minutes because it's the best part of the whole goddamn show. Yes, yes. I think that the entire show is my. Usually, the entire show is my favorite part of the show. Great. I'm gonna intro the show. Welcome to it's on the list of podcast about underrated movies, uh, media albums, and so much more. I am, of course, the funny talking baby, uh, Sh- uh, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> the funny talking baby Shaquille O'Neal, and I am, of course, here with my co-host, the funny talking dog, aka Sleepy Joe Biden, aka X. Gonna give it to you, Mason McGuire, and I'm about to introduce the fucking guest. We got a guest. It's our last guest of 2020 last ever. Guest. Got her right out of the wire. <laughs> ever last guest ever she's gonna she's gonna fucking blow all those other guests out this of the gosh is gonna dang be the water. episode that ends it all yeah <laughs> this is gonna be the fucking straw that breaks the fucking camel's back which is this weak shell of a podcast that we put out every fucking week for our listeners all right our guest today is I'm spreading holiday cheer. Yeah, yeah. Our guest yeah, yeah. today is a dancer, a performer, and a writer for Merry Go Round magazine, where you can read her piece that is kind of related to tonight's discussion in an adjacent way, titled Showgirls, an Authentic Woman. Right now, you can go there right now to MerryGoRoundMagazine.com. Read it. I've read it. It's fantastic. She also wrote a thing about Gex, which is also fantastic. So if you're into this podcast because we talked about Gex before they blew up, there's also (laughs) an article there for you to read about Gex as well. Please welcome to the show the long-awaited, not podcast debut, but the long-awaited arrival of this guest on this podcast, Sienna Kresge. Welcome, Sienna. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Sienna, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I freaked out at you earlier. I feel bad because I literally did that last time when I when I did my fa- <laughs> when I did my favorite. 
Yeah, when you did my with my favorite podcast, a podcast about people's favorite things. Yeah. Yeah. No Marge's other podcast. Yeah, you literally were eating it, fucking noodles during the podcast too. You're kind of a bad manners guest in all <laughs> in all I, sense I, of the words. I'm gonna have that same recipe tonight, actually. You know, I will say that you know this is technically since I didn't know Sienna before she was booked for this podcast, and it's very nice to meet you, Sienna. Um, this is technically Noah's guest. Noah likes to antagonize his guests more than I would. And if you were my guest, I would say talk as soon as you feel comfortable doing so. But this is uh, Noe's, Noe's guest, so this is he gets to be the alpha this episode. Um, I will say I am not cool with uh, him being so antagonistic to you and the guest. He's man-spreading. Yeah, he's man-spreading. Oh, Jesus Christ, podcast. you guys. I thought this was my show. You guys are coming on being mean to me. <laughs> this is fucked up. I just want to watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> just want to watch The Mandalorian fucking fly around. What is that show Mandal- about? You want to watch The Mandalorian, but only because Bill Burr's on it. You only want to watch the Bill Burr episodes of The Mandalorian. <laughs> what is that show about? Do either of you watch that show? It's like Star Wars no. adjacent. I don't watch it. No. I've never seen a Star Wars. You've never seen a Star Wars at all? N- none at all, and I'm never going to, and you know Why? Why? Because I don't feel like it. That's totally valid, honestly. And it's one of those things everyone's like, oh, the freaking Star Wars is so good or whatever. And yet I I rarely hear good things about Star Wars. Like everyone's always like, oh, the first one's good and then all the rest are bad. It's like, then why are you still paying attention to this? No, Star Wars fans do um, probably hate their own, like, Star Wars fans hate their thing more than most other fans hate their thing. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody hanging out and like, you know, and seeing star Wars content posted by like people that actually like it and are invested in that universe. You wouldn't think that they actually like it, but apparently they do. And I would say, you know, if you didn't grow up with that, like I did, uh, or you didn't like choose the star Wars, like the Disney sequels to like get into it. I feel like the door closed, and I think that, you know what? You're probably a better person for not even dipping your toe in those waters. Um, Thank Jesus, you. Dude. Yeah, I am, I am a good person me? for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, my God. It's you're also such one a good of those person. things where it's so, like, it's so culturally prominent. Right. That, like, I know all the punchlines before I've seen it. So yeah, if yeah. I do watch it, it's really just going to, like, really disappoint me more than not watching it. What's your favorite me, Star so. What's your favorite Star Wars punchline as you just called them? Um Luke I am your father. Hilarious. One of my favorite jokes in all of <laughs> <I know. laughs> Star yeah, yeah. Wars is a comedy. <laughs> Star Wars is an epic funny comedy where yeah. Darth Vader walks on screen and goes, "You thought 2016 2016 says, "Oh, I'm going to be the worst year of all time." And then 2020 uh Darth Maul 2020 says, "Okay, hold my beer." <laughs> and that's the big joke. <laughs> Really solid delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. That's well. That's how they say it in the movie. I just did it how they say yeah. it, <laughs> say it on screen. You know, stuttering. See, and I got I got two questions for you before we dive into actually talking about the fucking shit that we're talking about today on this show. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. First question. How's Penny? Oh, Penny's so good, but she is just sitting and staring at me because she's she's mad that I won't play with her. Oh my gosh. Will okay. you tell? Oh, here we go. We're getting a little view. Oh, Penny oh, Cam. Yes. Oh, what's up, Penny? Oh, she's yawning. Hey, little girl. <laughs> so, Sienna, the big the big thing that I want you to tell everyone about is tell us about your journey into motherhood with this cat. Oh, um, okay. Well, um, 
You know when new parents are like, oh, we've been trying. Like, we, yeah. we, we're yeah, trying yeah, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. It kind of was like that because I was on the Oregon Humane Society website like every day. Sure. And adoptions are so um, in demand right now. Right. So there would be new cats on the website every day and I would like do a little online application. But if you're not like first in the queue, then then you've missed out already. Sure. It's like, an yeah. or- so, it's like getting an organ donated. It's like getting an organ when you... Yeah. Or going to Coachella with your friends. <laughs> Similar uh, to that. Yeah, we all know what that's we're like. We're getting the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're getting the... Or going to Coachella to get the COVID vaccine. All, oh, all my kids. Yeah. So I was trying, I was trying, and then I think I lucked out with Penny because she is... An older cat, she wasn't a kitten. She's sure. like yeah, two or yeah. three, they think. But, you know, she was on the street. Damn. She, was, she looks darling. She she had a litter of kittens. Whoa, uh, okay. So she has a little distended belly that is very silly looking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and um, it's been a real joy to watch her come out of her shell. Like, first you, first week or two, she was you know, pretty shy, and she hid under the bed and all that stuff, and now she's just, she's found all her little spots, and mm-hmm. she loves sitting on uh, paper products, cardboard. Yeah. Um, and she also loves chewing on my, on the string of lights on my Christmas tree. That's nice. How about that? You know, I, uh, I am, uh, very allergic to cats. Uh, that but, sucks, It's a big bummer. Yeah, and I like, I... I, I love all of God's furry little critters, but I, I like cats a li- just a little more than dogs. Uh, and so I really wanted there to be, uh, you know, when I moved back to Chicago, I was like, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to have my own place. I'm going to get a cat, be a little cat boy. Probably not going to happen, which is a big old bummer. Yeah. Um, but we had rabbits growing up and we still do. Holy we shit. Are you kidding no, me? No, we have rabbits. Yeah, we have two rabbits. They're th- 13 or 14 years old, I forget. They're very I was just going to ask how long do rabbits live? About that long. <laughs> uh, okay. So they're on right. their way out. Well, one yeah. of them one of them <laughs> yes. is like held together literally by duct tape. He's blind in one eye, has awful arthritis and can just like kind of hobble in circles and like lie on his yeah. side. He and he uh. Uh, he's our, our sweet little boy Chaz and he um gets, you know, he gets fed this thing called critical care. And it makes him fart. He's very sweet. And then the other guy is this little, like, cookies and cream uh, little fella called Sparky. And his thing, he's a little more spry. He sells a little bit of action in him. He's a little, a little trickster, likes to walk around. But he's very, very, very fat. Uh, sure. To the point where he has a dewlap. And um, boy rabbits are not supposed to have that. And our vet thought it was a tumor. But they did a biopsy and came back that, no, he's just a big old boy. Um, Hell yeah. But when they were in their younger days... This is the point I was getting at. In their younger days, we went through so many cords, uh, especially for Christmas trees and the like, because they would just come and sniff it and then uh, basically chew it in half. We lost a Wii that way uh, because we had the Wii Damn. plugged in and they chewed the, the cord for the Wii. Uh, fallen soldier. Yeah, salute, salute. Uh, they have to pay respects to the, the McGuire family uh, Wii. <laughs> Um, but now they don't have that much in them. They just like getting pets and snuggles and, and, and farting and, and pooping and eating. Hell poop, yeah. So, you know, that's Mason, so that is a side of you that I didn't. Oh, I, maybe I did know because I think 
when I got Instagram and we became friends on Instagram or following we, each other. Yeah, when we became real friends, you mean. When we became real friends, yeah, when we stopped, you know, doing all this bullshit IRL stuff and just talked to each <laughs> other online. Yeah. Um, I think I saw uh, some snaps on your Insta story about those rabbits, and I literally was like, right. whoa, Mason's got little rabbits running around, hopping yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I... I you know, when I would come back to Chicago when I was living in L.A., it was a treat to see them, and so I'd post them all the time. <laughs> now that I've been yeah. home, it's kind of like, and there's a whole bag of bones over there, but I love them. Yeah. I'm happy that they're still around, even if it does. It's just kind of like, <sighs> at this point, you know what I'm saying? Well, Sienna, thank you. Okay, great. So, Sienna, thank you so much for, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> Sienna, thank you. <laughs> You're embarrassing me in front of our guests, so, dude. So, <laughs> Penny... You. Yeah. What about her? She's just awesome. Okay, great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I was glad you shared that story of motherhood and how you became sort of, you know, a, a, a legitimate mom to this little cat. It's very nice to see the little penny updates on Twitter, on Instagram, whether we're talking or not talking. You know, it's just like, "Oh, there's Penny. I know that I'm going to hear something about Penny if I'm talking to my friend Sienna." So, thanks for sharing about Penny. Thank you. Thanks for asking. It's it's really Nice to have a, a little friend to come home to. Yeah. Someone who's excited to see you. Someone who begs you to feed them because they can't do it themselves. For sure. Yeah. Um, is, that, and... is that why women want kids? <laughs> because they have to beg <laughs> beg them <laughs> to feed they them at the be, end of the day? Yeah. And, okay. And she, she's just so silly. <laughs> I love her. It's it's nice to take care of something. That's sure, true. Yeah. It is nice to take care of something, have something to actually look after and care for in that way. I had one more little question for you. That is, you had a, you are a very in a very unique situation for me to ask you this question because one of the last things you did uh, before uh, 2020 showed its claws, <laughs> so to speak, mm-hmm. was you went to go see Gex live. Is that correct? I did in the great city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Minneapolis. We should all we should all be moving there. It's a great little town. Minneapolis yeah. is in my limited experience is a very nice place. It's kind of a It's beautiful. Yeah. Nice public transportation. You got the skyway. The architecture. The replacements yeah, are from just, there. Just would suck yeah. um to be there in the winter. That's the big hey, thing. Yeah, yeah. very true. The, those Minnesota winters, you know, uh, they really <laughs> are, um, yes. you know, we're lucky we've had a relatively mild winter in Chicago, but it's going to be very cold coming up in Christmas. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait. Cannot this is... um, one thing that was awesome when we were in Minneapolis, it was me and Thomas and Micah. Yep. We went to see Gex. And we, the first night that we got there, we took an uber it was like 17 degrees outside and thomas was wearing shorts yes. yeah he's one of those motherfuckers <laughs> yes. yeah. we, were, we went out to eat at this little thai restaurant and then we took an uber back and we had passed this building that was like really interesting looking there were really tall windows on it, it looked really beautiful on the inside and stuff and we asked the uber driver we were like what is that building and he was he um he was like an African immigrant, so sure. he was speaking kind of broken English, but basically it was like, oh, um, they used to sell black people there. Like, Whoa. <laughs> we were like, that's such a beautiful building. No, it used to be like, 
like a slave trading hall. Oh my god. My goodness. So you know, there's there's some bones in Real. that closet. Yeah. <laughs> the wonderful city of Minneapolis. That's like Hell the yeah. biggest like like collar tug you could do at that point. Just like <laughs> We were all like <laughs> lovely oh. weather last time of year, huh? Right? Oh my goodness. Jesus Christ. Well you asked him what you asked him what is that building for? Like that's what you asked him, right? Yeah, because it kind of looked like some sort of venue or sure. there were a bunch of chairs inside. I don't I don't know. It, it might just be like an expo center now which That's uh, uh nuts. <laughs> Mm. Well, it's, what's weird to me is that you asked him, what is that building for? And then he told you, yeah, we, they used to sell black people there. That's not the question you asked him, but he just fucking gave <laughs> you that tidbit anyway. So yeah. man was serving some hot tea there. Right. He was. You have to, you have to know where we come from. Apparently. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. No shit. And especially, especially when you don't expect it. When you're just riding along <laughs> in this fucking Uber. That's such a nice building. What are they there? Oh, yeah. They yeah. used to sell uh, slaves there. Great. We, we, <laughs> that is insane to hear. Um, well, thank you for sharing about, were they cool live? I have to imagine they were really cool to see live. They were so fun. And the crowd was really awesome. Um, a lot of interesting hairstyles, but. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone just has so much fun, and someone near me had to tie their shoe, and so the people around them, like, created a barricade and was like, and another person was, like, holding their iPhone flashlight on them, and they were like, oh my gosh, back up, back up, they gotta tie their shoe. (laughs) That's so supportive, uh, how about that? It was, yeah, it was extremely, just a, a good crowd, good energy, and... Uh, Laura Les was like, welcome our special guest, Charlie XCX. And then everyone was like, woo! And then Laura just started laughing at us because it was a lie. She did. She She fucking did. did. And I loved it every single second. That sounds so cool. Man. It'll be cool. That was like the last significant thing I did before quarantine really yeah it'll be cool when we can Hell yeah go to shows again holding on to that yeah holding on to that holding yeah, yeah I, I can't think about that anymore that's kind of been depressing me lately <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> so yep, shut I'm up there with you yeah shut the <laughs> hey right. mason okay, why fine. don't you shut the fuck up mason <laughs> i know for a fact that my self-esteem for the show peaked when noah made me the talking reindeer instead of i thought it was going to be stewie was going to be the talking reindeer <laughs> or whatever in that song uh, no, Mason, you're the podcast reindeer, my little friend. You're my little friend, the podcast reindeer. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Hermie the Elf. I was trying to think of the name of the elf uh, for the name of our guest, but it's, as we know now, it's Yukon Cornelius, not Hermie the Elf. Uh, or 22 minutes into the my... show. <laughs> Dude, who gives a shit? We're just vibing. Uh, <laughs> we're just fucking having fun. What is the name? Is the Heat Miser? Is that in Rudolph or is that a Heat Miser is in The Year Without a Santa Claus. Heat Miser okay. and Snow Miser. Uh, and uh, it's been. I really like The Year Without a Santa Do either. So, what's your guys' history with the Rankin Bass Christmas specials? Because they. <laughs> I love them in my household. Love them in my. Are those the little claymation? Yeah, ones? you got your Rudolphs. You got your Santa Claus is coming to town. You got it's, your Year Without a Santa Claus. It's very foggy in my memory. Um, but I will never forget that one little song that's like 
Put one foot in front of the other. That is a yes. Christmas song. Nobody's playing it. I don't know why, but it they, goes. They will play my favorite things from The Sound of Music, but they will not put Winter Warlock on the radio stations. This is the most <laughs> pressing Winter issue Warlock in America today. This is Winter Warlock Erasure. What is Joe Biden doing to get Winter Warlock <laughs> the back on the radio? The silence is deafening, actually, Joe. Well, he's actually the, the, he's actually the, agri- uh, the agriculture secretary I just read. He's the Joe is the secretary of Christmas along with being president of the United Goddamn yes. States. And he's coming out there going, oh, ho, we're going to do, we're going to have fun. We're also going to get this. That wasn't here, Jack. Jack. We're going to get those reindeers in the sky. Listen here. I loved when he called that guy fat. Listen here, fat. He just called <laughs> him fat. So fucked. Um, my my uh, associations with the Rankin and Bass Christmas little videos are, weirdly enough, department stores. I think of Macy's. I think of Meyer and Frank. Mm. I think of Nordstrom. I think of going to the mall. Because going to the mall is, of course, the one thing everybody's doing around the holidays. Sands 2020, of course. Right. And I've, as you know, I we did not we don't celebrate Christmas in my family. Everyone, we actually are. Both my parents are Jewish, so it's literally oh, like, eight yeah, crazy like, nights. I got eight. We got exactly. We got eight fucking wild and crazy nights mm-hmm. of Hanukkah, <laughs> and so uh, that's where I got these headphones from from Father Matt. So shout out Father Matt giving me these for one of the nights of Hanukkah. So, well, yeah. Shabbat Shalom. Yep, it's very similar. Uh, <laughs> very similar to eight what do you nights. What do you say? Uh, I believe you're making it make me look real bad say here. But happy I, Hanukkah. Mm, that's also interesting. I don't know about that, but <laughs> but also I think it's um, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Halam. Um, Something, something, something shall Hanukkah is sort of how you end the little prayer as you light the candles. Mm, okay. Um, Very nice. So that's so that's kind of that. But we're not Cute. here. We're not here to talk about the holidays. We're not here to talk about any of those things. No, not here to talk we're about the ho ho holidays. Ho ho Dead ho. To Dead to me. Bye bye. Bye bye, Felicia. Today we are talking about underrated music and un- and underrated movies. That our guest has brought on for both of us, Mason, to listen to and to watch. Salute to you, Chef Sienna. <laughs> Sienna, what is the album that we're talking about today? The album is called Ease, pronounced Ease, by Joanna Newsom. That gets some snaps in the chat from me and Mason. Snap, 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 because we're holding the mic, so it can't really clap, so we're doing snaps instead. Um... E. We're saying ease. That's what we're calling it. Yeah, it's pronounced ease. Mm-hmm. Calling it ease. It's Y S. If you're trying to type it in, but don't go to Spotify, everybody. No, because you won't find no, it. No, Joanna is very anti-streaming service. I believe her music is on Apple Music for some reason. It obviously you need a subscription to that. But yes, she hates Spotify, so she's not. On Spotify. I don't have an Apple Music subscription, so I did have to drop a fat nasty tenor. Ten dollars to buy this album off iTunes, and you know what? I'm happy I did. Mason, you can listen to this album yeah. for fucking free on YouTube, my man. Listen, I gotta give Joanna but her. You fuck- lose the the flat quality. You lose the, the audio fidelity, man. That's what I'm all yeah. about. Uh, I re- I bought it on iTunes, <laughs> listened to it, and then I re-listened to it on my work computer on YouTube. So yes, listeners, that is an option for you. Um, but you know what? 
my pre-2021 New Year's resolution is I want to buy more music. I want to support the artists that I like. I actually just bought um, her discography off of Bandcamp, like the last Bandcamp day. Oh, how oh much shit. Money? You could get the whole thing for like 50 or $55, and I was like, well... I am an enormous. She's one of my favorite musicians ever. So not a bad chunk of change. May as well. And how much I don't music? Have to worry about streaming her. How much music is that actually? Because I know she's released four studio albums, but do you get more stuff than just the four studio albums for that? Or what did you all get for that? For that, you know, fat stack of cash you just gave to Joanna. Um, I think it's. Let's see. One, let's take two, a look down three, Sienny's four, phone. Five. It's it's six. Thing. So she's got the four studio albums, and then there was like a like a B side. Okay, nice. Mm, okay, and then uh, another little EP called Joanna Newsom and the East Street Band, which is whoa. Hey, okay, there she goes. Yeah, <laughs> there she goes. What is the rest? She's again. Yeah, exactly. What is that song called? I think it's just called There She Goes. Maybe. Who's it by? Who can oh, say? Oh, I know this. I know this. Don't don't say. I'm, we're not going to say anything. Okay, I couldn't even tell do you. Do not say it. <laughs> do not say it. You know what I was... Never mind. I was thinking of a different song. You know what always fucks no. me? You know the song Somebody's Baby? She must be Wait. somebody's baby. I always have to remind myself that's a Jackson Brown song and not a Tom Petty song. Because that sounds so much like a Tom Petty song. I'm... They're very similar, though. Yeah, and I am just vamping so that Sienna can look this up. Um... It, I was actually right. I was going to say Sixpence None the Richer. No way. It is? Really? Yeah. Wow. That's the OG I thought they only had one hit. Uh, What'd you say? What? You know, they were a Christian... <laughs> you know Sixpence None the Richer were a Christian rock band, right? Yeah, um, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's So Kiss Me. Uh, I did a song parody uh, to that song. Yes, that was on. But leave room for Jesus. But yeah. leave room Not for Jesus. Not a lot of people so remember that... those lyrics, but right, right. that's how you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's real how you know we got know. the real stands are in the house when you're saying, but leave room for Jesus so you can fuck me. <laughs> those are the real lyrics to the song. Yeah. Um, well, Sienny, you brought this album to us. You could have picked any album. In theory. Well, why did you pick Ease by Joanna Newsom as your album that you wanted to bring on this show about underrated albums and movies? I have to say I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because, you know, obviously uh, a lot of people in my circle are music type heads. And I'm always like, you got to listen to Joanna Newsom. You got to listen to this album. And then they don't. And that really pisses me off because it's oh, yeah. so good. And I think a lot of people have a hard time getting past her voice. She has said sure. herself that her voice yeah. is untrainable, quote unquote. Interesting. Okay. Um, but, and it took me a while to get used to it, but now that I'm past that, I'm grown. Uh, <laughs> I've grown <laughs> up since then. Sure. And I'm like, wow, she is one of the most brilliant singer songwriters of our time and one of the most ambitious like who what other harpist right. can you name yeah. another harpist literally no, no. <laughs> so no. and this album in particular i think i mean this one stands out for me um i think because it was like the first 
one of hers that I listened to that just really stuck with me and kind of mm-hmm. introduced me to her because her uh, her other albums also are very it's very involved like you it's not right. like yeah, easy yeah. listening you have to like be present with it mm-hmm. totally and um so it can be hard to get into in that way but uh yeah and ease i think also there's there's a little bit of mystery around it but it's still like very cohesive narratively she kind of structured it yeah. around these four big events that happened to her um like the year before she released it and so she's she's trying to make sense of it across the album but it's interesting that mm-hmm. she's that she does it in this way that's like this this epic you know yeah and yeah it's just, it's also super well arranged. Um, Van Dyke Parks did the arranging, and he I discovered Spade. the other day he like co-wrote a bunch of stuff with the Beach Boys. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. That was cool to me. That um, is very cool to you, yes. Epic, epic for that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just really, really beautiful, and she's just unmatched as a as a storyteller this is the kind of album that like made her really where does this fall into her album chronology like in terms number of, two this is the second one okay this is their second full studio and album. i feel like this is the mm-hmm. yeah i feel like this is the big one i think just at least um if i didn't know any well uh this is the album cover for this is so striking, and I feel like I'm just more familiar with the album cover for this than I am was with any of the music before Sienna brought this on the co- on the show. Uh, sure. Roommate Colin actually has this album on vinyl. And oh, shit. It was a Saturday shift where I was working in the living room answering phone calls or whatever, and I knew that Colin got up because I heard Joanna Newsom uh, singing from his bedroom and right, be- wow. right, be- honestly, it was getting to the point where I was about to like turn off the phones and be like, "Hey, can you turn that the fuck down?" But he like got my psychic yes. message and like closed the <laughs> door. Uh, roommate Colin, if you're listening to this, shout out, bud. Uh, but in any shout out, Colin. All right, let's do Colin. it. Big respect to Colin. Yeah, big respect. respect to Colin. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is kind of the one that like, if anyone knows a Joanna Newsom album, I think it's this one, even if they may not have heard a song on it. That's just my kind of. I definitely, yeah, I agree. It's it's one of the more digestible ones, which is funny because all the songs are, like, at least eight minutes long. Right, yeah. But um, for me, it was it was the most digestible because her, her follow-up album, which is Have One On Me, is, like, it's even more gargant- gargantuan. It's, like, a four-disc. Holy shit. Uh, thing. And um, so this one is like it's a nice in between because then her first her first album Milk Eyed Mender is like uh it's just it's a first album there's like a lot less production yeah yeah like yeah. bare bones it's just her and the piano or the harp and um so it's a gateway 
you know. Whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. We're smoking weed tonight. We're yeah. smoking loud. <laughs> yeah. We are fucking smoking <laughs> loud and regular. We're in a kush coma. <laughs> Dude, I feel whenever I talk to Mason, I feel like I'm in a giant kush coma. Sometimes <laughs> it's a heady high, and sometimes I'm getting put right in the fucking couch, baby. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mason, what is your relationship to Joanna? Oops, yeah, get, we're traveling. We're to the traveling podcast. No. We're the sisterhood of the traveling oh, okay. podcast. Uh, I had. Oh hell I yeah! Had, I couldn't remember if I'd heard. I don't think I'd heard a single Joanna Newsom song bef- all the way through before this album. Of course, I was gotcha. familiar with her, um, but just for one reason or the other, I never sat down and gave her the time actually. And because she wasn't available on streaming, because she likes to make money for her work, it was also yeah. like uh, funny how people like to get paid for their work. Um, it was also like well. It's. It, I'm not gonna put this into my you know regular kind of Spotify rotation or whatever. Um, sure. But you know I was aware of her and I knew that she was like well respected at least. And of course, of course, we can't forget that she had the essential role as uh, sort of liege in Inherent Vice. Uh, or I think very she's very true. good in that in that in that role. She does a very good job yeah. of keeping that movie together. Um, but I hadn't heard a song of hers. Uh, Noe, what about you? What's your history with with Miss Newsom here? I knew three things about Joanna Newsom prior to listening to this album for the podcast. Thing one, put your put your point, pointer finger up in the air like we're all doing. All three friends are doing right now. <laughs> Thing number one, I knew the song "Sprout in the Bean" by Joanna Newsom. What I is had... it? Because you watched The Strangers? No. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no. I think that's the one that's in that movie, that that horror movie. I've never actually seen that movie, so I wouldn't even know even if oh. I I've never even seen it. It's actually oh. extremely spooky because it I think it's that song, but it's like playing on a on a turntable and then it's like scary. Oh, classic. It, it is okay. very spooky and her voice has got that kind of uh, uh, haunting child. Yes, exactly. Sound. Like like a deity almost, or like an otherworldly being. It's very, mm-hmm. and that was like the thing that stuck out to me about her. Is like, oh, this person has such a particular, unique voice that you are either probably going to vibe with that big time, or you're just not really going to be that into it. And that was like what I remembered is she had such a specific voice. And I had two friends in high school who had both showed me the song "Sprout in the Bean" independently of one another around the same time, and so I was like. Uh oh, wow. big craziness going on here. So that's thing one that I knew about Joanna Newsom. Thing two, everyone put up your uh, other fingy. Thing two, peace. Thing two that I knew about Joanna Newsom is that she was married to Andy Samberg. She is. Andy Samberg is Mr. Joanna Newsom. That's very true. That is a Sugar insane. Andy Newsom. <laughs> okay. Feminist All right. ally. <laughs> yeah, there we go, baby. Yeah. Do you want to hear a really quick story? Yes. Always. About that? Re- as long as it's really, 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 really quick. Um, okay, now I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> you're the guest. You, you I, saw her, I saw her in concert. Okay, she hadn't toured in a long time. Like, probably okay. since Divers, which I think she released in 2016. Okay. Or 15. And so she did a short... Uh, tour last fall called the keys and string is incident and it was just her no backing band piano and a harp and she so i saw her uh my brother got me a ticket for my birthday bless him thank you thomas other thomas shout out out other thomas (laughs) (laughs) and um so i saw her in new york at 
this really fascinating venue. I think it's called uh, Museo del Barrio. Whoa. And the walls are, like, covered in, like, fairy tale stories. They're painted, like, really whimsically. And so, so it cool. was it was yeah. just, like, the perfect venue for her. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it was just her piano, harp. Uh, I just, I was losing my mind. And I went alone. So I was like, this is really, I'm vibing here. Damn. And, um... Anyway, so I sat down, and I'm vibing, and the whole concert goes through, and I, I, I cry at a few songs because it's just so beautiful, and I'm so happy, and before the concert had started, I heard a voice behind me, and it was like, it was just like people chatting and of course. Uh, introducing themselves to each other, and this one guy was like, oh yeah, hey, th- this is my friend Nick, and I was like, okay, whatever, I'm... I'm here to see Joanna, so shut the fuck up. Shut the and fuck up! <laughs> the show hasn't started, but be quiet, because yes. I'm getting in the zone. Yeah. And um, so the show ends, unfortunately. And right. unfortunately, it is over, and I have to go home. Of course. And I stand up and turn around, and it is Mr. Joanna Newsom, Andy Samberg himself, Oh, With man. his good friend, Nick Kroll, who I oh. want to beep. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. One of my biggest celebrity crushes. <laughs> wow. And they were sitting directly behind, like, literally the seats right behind me. Holy and I was like, shit, dude. Goodness gracious. Uh, the the listeners can't see this, but my jaw's on the floor. Jaw my, on the My tongue floor. rolls out. Blah, 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 yeah, Penny's hopping right, in, Penny's hopping right into that game <laughs> right now. Like, oh, a nice yeah. warm place to hang out while mom podcasts. And anyway, I I didn't do anything about it. I was starstruck, and then I went home, and that was it. But um, it, it, it was awesome. So, yeah, she's married to Andy Samberg, or Andy Samberg is married to her. So that's the thing, too, I knew about Joanna Newsom is that her and Andy Samberg were married, and I believe they have a child together as yeah, well. So they do. Shout out to that kid. Going to have an insane life regardless of what yeah, it that kid. yeah that kid's fucking hashtag winning hashtag tiger blood hashtag fucking charlie sheen hell yeah actually wait do you know he they met i think at one of her concerts no way that's yeah crazy. like he went to the concert and then he like met her afterwards and he was like i love your music like he was like a big fan whoa so that's kind awesome. of cool because you know he's like so famous and yeah Whatever, like celebrities are better than all of us, so right. you know that yeah, must have if, been awesome for her. If a celebrity An indie ever, musician, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for a lowly indie musician who's got zero <laughs> fucking talent about uh, at all. Um, so the other and the other third, the third thing, put up your third finger right now for three things that you know about Joanna Newsom before mm-hmm. this podcast is something we've already said actually, which is that she's not on Spotify, which I knew. I knew she was mm-hmm. like one of the people who just said like not doing Spotify, it's evil. And I actually said this on an episode of my other podcast when I talked to Sydney Adams, and I literally said to her, for the consumer. Spotify premium is like the most amazing thing in the entire world. And for the artist, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. So wonder how that works. Wonder how they got that <laughs> to be able to be a thing. You Who know, knows? What's, what the most amazing thing about that is, though, is that if you search her on Spotify, the only song yes. under her profile is like the Muppets theme song. It's yes. Like yes. Something she recorded for the Muppets movie, which I think is extremely epic. Yeah, that's pretty. It cute. is extremely epic. <laughs> oh, that might be. A mu- I would love yeah. to see a Mupp- 
I'd love to see a Muppet of Joanna Newsom. That would be so cool playing the oh, harp. Yes. I forgot that you yes. did that. Yes. That might have actually been the only Joanna Newsom song I heard before this because I like the Muppets, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Um. <laughs> what what we should talk about though, Mason, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is Ease by Joanna Newsom. Oh, is that the what album we're talking about? This week? Is that what we're talking about? This yes. Week? Okay. Yeah, we can talk about that. That sounds good to me. Um, I will just start off by saying, I list. I only listened to this album one time. Normally, I listen to the album twice. Mason likes to lie, as was noted on this podcast about listening to the album more than once. What can you do? I'm just kidding, Mason. It's just a joke. I love you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I love Mason. Yeah. (laughs) But I only listened to this album once. And the like practical reason was is because I did actually have some things that I needed to get done that were a little bit time sensitive this week. But the other reason why I only listened to this album once is because I couldn't stop fucking thinking about it from the time that I listened to it once. I literally just played it over and over in my head because it's so dense. There's so much Mm -hmm. going on in this album Mm -hmm. at once that I was like, I've barely even scratched the surface with this album. And I really think it's going to be one that I maybe not go back to all the time, but I'm going to go back to every now and again, and I'm going to get just a little bit closer to the mantle, to the earth's core of mm-hmm. this album, because I barely, barely scratched the surface with what I think is actually really going on here, whether it's the personal meaning that she's putting into it, all the different instruments that I'm hearing. Cause this album is not just an album. This album is a symphony. This is a symphony recorded by Joanna Newsom. Mm-hmm. And she is telling a tale a la Peter and the Wolf, a la Carmen. I literally think it's like a long those lines. There's so much to unpack here. So that's just what I wanted yeah. to get off on the uh, like right on the right off the first rip is just there's so much going on here yeah. and I barely know how to talk about it. But I just wanted to say that I am like very stunned by this album, just like in the sense of like there's so much to unpack and so much to go on here. I, but yeah. like. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm at with this album, honestly, currently right now. What about mm-hmm. you, Mason? Uh, I'm glad you said that because then it makes the, the kind of takes the pressure off me because I gave it two lessons and I do also feel like I feel maybe the least prepared to talk about an album than I than I ever For had real. on this, on no, this show. I, Not that in a bad makes way, total sense though because it's like, like you said, it's so dense and even for me, like it's taken me hundreds of listens like I have the CD in my car I always listen to it on a road trip and I think it's it's hard to like attach yourself to because it's it's not like traditional song structure right and um it's just it goes so many different places so it's it's really hard when you're first listening to it the first several times that you listen to it to like uh to recognize kind of like the structure of it and it's, and where it's going yeah. or whatever it, even like what is this melody or whatever because it's jumping around so much it's very elusive but it's also very inviting like you don't feel like at a distance from the songwriting or even from joanna new at least i don't think so i i think that this is like um you know, you said, Sienna, that this is an album about four things that happened to her within the span of a year. And, you know, albums have been written on more and albums have been listened on, uh, written about less. And I just feel like the difference in what makes Ease so special is that she really dives deep into each of these four things and is really, like, 
exploring a lot of um, her, like uh, her relationship to herself and to other people and to these events. Um, and she's put so much detail and she's crafted these kind of different, like, you know, landscapes or whatever, or this kind of like environment that feels like when you listen to track one, when you listen to Emily, you're just like right in the garden with her. And she's like kind of bringing you around and showing you all these like kind of little symbols. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. This is very beautiful. I'm so happy I'm in this garden, but I need a lot more time just to figure out what exactly the fuck I'm looking at or listening to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's exactly. like so many competing scents and um It's overstimulating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, unless you're like fully like headphones it. That's why I said like you got to listen to it in a in a sensory deprivation chamber because that's like should, the best yeah. way to absorb like the environment of yeah, it. Yeah, I should have heeded your advice, but I was also a little strapped for time this week and so I found <laughs> I listened to this when I could, but um man, can't wait to just turn off the lights and give this a, a listen at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, holy shit. I I was a little more as far as like the like visualization of what we're hearing. Right now, did you guys ever learn about the hero's journey, quote unquote, in school? Was that ever a thing that you were like taught yes. or like learned about? Uh, y- in my mm-hmm. in my world religions class. Mm, Whoa! Shout out. I don't think I learned about I, that in class, and I just I just absorbed it through osmosis and people talking about Star Wars of all things. Oh, mm. shout out Star Wars! Never heard what of a- it. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars. I don't know her. That's the meme. <laughs> That's the meme. <laughs> That's the old me. That's the that's the I miss the old Star Wars, uh, and so I could not stop thinking about Joseph Campbell during this. I didn't know it was like a fucking dumbass thing to say, and like anyone who hears me, anyone who hears me saying that, and like knows who Joseph Campbell is, is like man, that guy's a fucking tool. No, for you're you're a smarty pants. Him. You're valid. You're valid, King. Thank you, thank you, King. Bless up, Kings in this chat. Uh, <laughs> kings but, only. Kings, Kings hours only, haha. Uh, but no, this legitimately felt like an epic tale that, like, I just was transported back to like tenth grade English class of just like <laughs> I am analyzing this for the like hero's journey, the monomyth of of ease. Like it just like I couldn't help but go back to that place, and I kept thinking about. Lord of the Rings and, you know, the Shire and Mordor and, like, all these, like, exotic <laughs> locales from, like, fantasy that I knew. Because this feels like a very, as personal as this album is, a very fantastical album as far as the types of sounds that we're hearing. How often do you hear a harp get first chair, you know, get front and center stage? How often do you hear a mandolin? I mean, a little bit more so recently, but, like, in the history of music, how often do you hear the mandolin get front oh, and center shit. stage? How often are you getting a 29-piece orchestra on an album, you know, straight up? And so, for mm-hmm. me, it's just, like, the first listen is just overwhelming. And, you know, like I said before, there's only more and more to be uncovered about this. And I was actually wondering, can we actually go track by track real quick and sort of talk about the album track by track? Because there's only five tracks on mm-hmm. this album, and they all range from seven minutes, anywhere from being seven minutes long and 17 minutes long so so we got some we got some monsters to slay on here but the first track is called emily this one is like damn we are in the world we are setting the stage right now and i just felt like we were just i was just being taken to a place what goes through your guys's minds when you're thinking of emily or what do you feel when you're listening to emily specifically 
Emily is, it's actually a very brilliant opener to me. It's very tender. Right. Um, it's about her sister. And her sister's like an astrophysicist or something. Which, yeah. Uh, so that's what all the lyrics oh, about, like, the meteorite and the blah, 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 blah. Like, all about the stars and things. So that's what that's about. And, um... Yeah, it's it's like it's very gentle. I can I can the the very beginning of it is very clear in my mind because like I said I have the CD in my car so right. just like right when it goes in it's like the harp and she's like the meadowlark and the chimchurri and the sparrow. And it's just her voice and it's just the harp and then it just like slowly builds on to there so it's actually very smart i think uh as much as we've already said like oh it's so dense and blah blah, blah. yeah when you're in the thick of it but like if you're if you're walking along next to it it's it she she invites you there she's not just like throwing you into the forest totally. you know what i mean absolutely mason what's up with you in the first track emily i want to make sure we talk about each of them sort of individually real quick I, yeah, I, like I said, I don't, I wish that I could have given this a third spin so I could give each track their time. Um, because in my mind, this is all just existing as kind of a sure. cohesive whole. And I don't have, like, there's one song, which is my favorite song on the record, which we'll get to. And I kind of feel like maybe, I, you know, we could talk about that. But, like, man, it's, 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 like Sienna said, it's dense, but this is inviting. And I just feel like, this track off the top, I feel like uh, secure coming into this kind of world that she's building. Uh, here's just, I have the lyrics pulled up in front of me. Here's the first line. The meadowlark and the chimchurri and the sparrow set to the sky in a flying spree. For the sport of the pharaoh, little while later, the Pharisees dragged a comb through the meadow. Do you remember what they called up to you and me in our window? There's a rusty light on the pines tonight. Sun pouring wine, lord or marrow, down to the bone of the birches. Um, how about that? First, I love some meadow just, imagery. I love. She's got so many some, adjectives. It's like, where does she get so them? So many adjectives. <laughs> it's it's um, you feel like she has a specific. Well, I can really appreciate that Joanna Newsom probably had a specific tree in mind when she was writing this. Like she was mm-hmm. out in the woods and she's like, "That's the fucking tree that's gonna start off my next album, East." <laughs> Um, and I'm gonna put it in the song that I'm writing about my sister. Uh, it's lovely. No, I. It's lovely, and there's you know nothing well, else sounds like it. That's kind of we don't we don't have to we don't have to go that. through every single song because we do have other things on the show we do want to talk about. What is your favorite song on this album, Mason? Uh, it's it's the one that um for it's stuck it stood out to me first listen, and then when I finished my second listen, it was the one that I would listen to on repeat. But it's Sawdust and Diamonds. Sure, that one's track. awesome. It's just her, um, just her and the harp, which is the only one where yeah, it's just her yeah. and the harp. So, very powerful to have it right in the middle. It's like, so, for her, it's like bare bones musically, but it's also like, oof, there's a lot, a lot of meat and the in little there white, somehow. And the little white dove, made with love, made with love, made with glue and a glove and some pliers, swings a low sickle arc from its perch in the dark. Settle down, settle down, my desire. 
Yeah. She says, "Does this? I, I love a song um, that kind of attack. I don't think this is a song about desi- like desiring a person, like kind of romantically or something. But I just love a song that's about interrogating just the emotion and the feeling of desire. Um, and this, I think, is a particularly um, uh, a song about that, where she's really going back and forth on again." If I had more time to give to this, I really would have liked to. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that that song was just beautiful. I thought it was really... Um, uh, you just like the song. It's beautiful. <laughs> you liked it. You thought it was I fucking nice. I like the nice. goddamn song. Yes, Fine. just say that. I want to be a little... I want to give... Uh, it's beautiful. I want to... Yeah, All right. I mean, even, Whatever. I'm being too hard on myself. Even just like the title of that image of like... That's what it comes down to, I think, is that she's such a like fantastical storyteller like just that image alone of like sawdust and dimes it's like diamonds it's like there's this gritty earthy the sawdust the 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 excrement <laughs> in a way yeah like the and then the diamonds kinda, yeah. yeah 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 and then like the the stuff that we live for like the stuff that's worth it you know and I think that really like ties the whole album together. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's actually some lore Whoa. about this that it's not confirmed, but in like the Joanna Newsom heads sphere, yeah, kind of just a rumor. On and our I don't Joanna like, Newsom heads. Yeah, I don't want to like be disrespectful <laughs> by speculating, but it has been like thrown around that. Uh, there is across a few songs like uh, about her possibly having experienced an abortion and this being one of those things Mm -hmm. so if that's not true then that sucks that (laughs) I'm like attaching that to this song but this is one of those songs that like if the theory is true it affirms it and there's there's a few other like across her other albums, but this one, in particular, because she's talking about like white, uh, white, like purity and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm thinking yeah. like, at the top of the wide white stairs, like you know, freaking stairway to heaven. You know what I mean? But Damn. really, like, mm-hmm. if there's like this child that she had to give up, that's like waiting for her in another like spiritual realm, you know, or some other and if not that then you know some other extremely difficult decision sure and so in that way it's like applicable otherwise this is the the sawdust and diamonds is probably if not it's probably my second favorite song uh upon the first listen uh of this album this one to me feels like the most i felt like this was like the like fall of whatever sort of narrative arc is happening right now. This like, this is the lowest point that we're meeting our speaker at. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when she's in the depths uh, of whatever. You know, she's experiencing a death of some sort, and this is her like trying to like climb out of like whether whatever that's a metaphorical death or a literal death, whatever. This is her trying to climb out of that, or the speaker trying to climb out of that. Then you get only skin, which is probably my favorite song. On the album, I think it's sort of the song that, like, exemplifies what at least the album was for me upon first listen. It, like, exemplifies the album the most, like, of any mm-hmm. track on sure. the album. Mm-hmm. It's also the longest track on the album. It's almost 20 minutes long, but 
where it, I feel like it exemplifies that journey that I think is oftentimes difficult to achieve in a non-visual medium, that idea of a journey, that idea of like crossing a great distance or going on an epic adventure. But in this one, I really feel the journey of this speaker in this song the most. That's, that's really apt because this one in particular, I think, like I said, it was uh, written around four big events in her life and only skin is the song that is her kind of, it's like in the middle of that trying to make sense of all these and of all those events and their interconnectedness. And, um, this one is, it's my favorite song also. There's just so many, um, so many themes, uh, musically that are like, oof, the just sang shivers down my spine because it's just <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and also like, so she's got this lyric that the one with the the one that it's named after she says scrape your knee it is only skin and there's just the simplicity of that is so tender it's like so it's just so beautiful to me i can't even describe it i love that i love that i would love to get that on a little cross stitch and i could look at it in times of need (laughs) you could could find that on etsy i'm sure Oh, 100%. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Some Instagram influencer has made that and scrape your knee. It's only skin. She's selling it for $100 yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Listen, we do have a fucking movie to fucking talk about as well. Oh, so boy, are we. there any other thoughts about, about this album specifically? Because I got some fast facts. Then, of course, we have to do the rap out stuff for this album. So anything else about the album specifically before I dive into fast facts? Uh, I don't got nothing. See any? Um, it's perfect. Purchase this album off Bandcamp. I, Joanna, if you're listening, I would die for you. Whoa. And, uh, well, I don't know. That I was being dramatic, but I mean, unless okay. you want me to. And um, JK, unless. Or if you <laughs> if you need a babysitter, hi, cutie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, this this one is just it's very special to me. And it's underrated, uh, especially in her discography, because most people, I'd say, it, it's pretty widely accepted that, like, her follow-up album called Have One On Me is, like, her uh, piece de resistance. The magnum opus. <laughs> yeah. And, um... I also think Joanna Newsom might just be sort of underrated on the whole. Like, I think that a lot yeah, of people definitely. either, like, don't know who she is, or if they do know who she is, they're not, like, you know, a fan. They probably just know who she is sort of, like, on on the reg or sort yeah, of just, like, just in the ambiently. broad spectrum. Exactly. Exactly. But she's, she's a genius, and I'll take that to the grave. So Agreed. Listen to the harp music. I'm, that's a little, that's a little <laughs> dismissive. Listen to her. She's really fucking good. And it was a, a real treat to listen to her. Noe, do you got some fast facts? Yes, motherfucker. Here we come. Here we go. <laughs> we got a rock, 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 rock. Ease is the second studio album by Joanna Newsom. It was released by Drag City on November 6th, 2006. The album was produced by Newsom and Van Dyke Parks, uh, as you mentioned, Sienna, with accompanying orchestral arrangements 
by Van Dyke Parks, as well as Steve Albini and mixed by Jim O'Rourke. And it features the guest vocals of her then-boyfriend, Bill Callahan, who's a musician in his own right. I think he's in the band. I think his band was called Smog. I think if you're familiar with Smog, he was that's also Bill in Callahan. the pa- he was also in Palace Brothers, I believe. Uh, Palace Music, I think, was him. He's got a he's, lot of solo he's a guy stuff these days. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's been in like a million bands. Um, True. Yeah. But and Emily Newsom is featured as a guest vocalist as well. And the first song on the album, Emily, like we said, is named after her. This album consists of five tracks with songs ranging from 7 to 17 minutes that deal with events and people who had been in important to Newsom's life in the previous year. These events include the sudden death of Newsom's best friend, a continuing illness, and a tumultuous relationship. The album was named after the city Yeez, uh, East, after, according to the myth, that was built on the coast of Brittany and later swallowed by the ocean. The album's title was the last element to be confirmed and was the result of a dream that Newsom had, which featured the letters Y and S and a book recommended by a friend that contained reference to the myth. We got some fucking astrology shit happening here. The stars aligning for <laughs> yeah, Miss Newsom. It's true. Great Where conjunction coming up. Uh, the album. <laughs> I think she's awesome, a Capricorn. Mason. She is, is a Capricorn. She, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a little a Cap- Capricorn. Yeah, I'm a cat pissed. Uh, January 18th. Hell yeah. That's one day after my mom's birthday. My mom's January 17th. And my pa's birthday is January 17th. How about that? There we go. Uh, The album, particularly the length of the songs and her orchestral arrangements, was partially inspired by the 1971 album Stormcock by Roy Harper. In in September 2007, Harper supported Newsom at her Royal Albert Hall performance, playing Stormcock in its entirety. Newsom was also impressed by Van Dyke Parks' 1968 album Song Cycle and asked him to collaborate on the album after hearing that record. On her fall 2007 tour, Newsom performed the album in its entirety, backed by the entire 29-piece orchestra. Now, I know we were just talking about the fact that Joanna Newsom is underrated, Maybe on a populist level and a full like public opinion level, but wait till you feast your ears on what I'm about to say here. Can you or can you dig it, Sienna and Mason, for what I'm about to say? Shovel, shovel in hand. Shovel in hand. Let's fucking dig. Yeez has some acclaim behind it, having been featured on 62 end of the year lists in 2006, including number three on Pitchfork, number three on RateYourMusic.com, a.k.a. RIM, and number seven in Time. It has also been featured on eight end-of-decade lists for the 2000s decade, including Pitchfork at number 83, The Times at number 26, and Uncut at number 21. The Guardian named it the number 22 album of the 21st century in September of 2019 and was a special mention in their album, in their 1,000 albums to hear before you die list, which was published in July of 2016. So it might be underrated on a popular level, but those music critics, man, they see her, they see Joanna Newsom. I see you, I hear you, Joanna Newsom. Love the music journalism community, which we all know, just as a community, they love music. <laughs> music journalists yeah, love yeah. music. They're know? also very. Po- they are. It's so strange that Joanna Newsom does not have a bigger popular following because people do love to take the advice of music journalists on what to listen to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Mason, or I guess no, Sienna, because you are our guest. 
We do a little thing on this show called the Mercedes Valuable Player. The Mercedes Valuable Player is, of course, named after Mercedes Ruel from the 1988 film Married to the Mob by Jonathan Demme. You can give your Mercedes Valuable Player award to a thing, to a song, to a particular element of this album. Who or what do you give your Mercedes Valuable Player award to for Ease by Joanna Newsom? Whoa. I know. Big shit here that we're dealing with. Um, there's a certain passage in Only Skin, actually. Uh, it's like a musical passage that I just think is very extremely beautiful. Yes. It's like, mm, I don't really know where to say. I think it's at around the 12 minute mark. Um... What should I do? Should I like read the lyrics of it or do whatever you, you can just do. give the award? Yeah. yeah, I'm giving the award to that one. It's it's uh, the verse that starts with "I've got some business out at the edge of town." Candy weighing both of my pockets down. Um, and anyway, that whole kind of chain, uh, sonically is just mind blowing to me, and that is what my my little trophy goes to. Amen. Amen. Mason, what is your Mercedes Valuable Player? My Mercedes Valuable Player is Joanna Newsom's harp skills. I think that there we the go. harp is the X factor uh, in the music here. Um, don't hear it a lot in popular music. We've, we've said it a lot. Don't hear it a lot in context outside of like uh, concert halls, things like that. It is a huge instrument. It is a very difficult music to play. Uh, diff- difficult instrument to play, rather. And um, she's uh, virtuoso at it, and it's very interesting that this is a – she's the center of this project, and the music kind of has to revolve around the harp, and I think that that um, creates a very interesting quality in the production of this and the songwriting. Um, Very – the lyrics are very, like, kind of – when they're following her, like, kind of fingers or whatever, like, it kind of jumps around and goes on these little journeys. Um, So that's what it is for me. Uh, I don't think that this album would be uh, what it is without that harp and her skills at playing it. So that's my Mercedes Valuable Player. Noe. Noe, what do you got? Oh, Mason picked up the gun to point to me. That Mason, that is the only way you are allowed to pass it over to me from here on forth on this podcast. No, for me, it's going to be the song Only Skin. Uh, like I said, this album demands not only to be re-listened to multiple times, but just to be re-listened to, period. There's, you're never going to fully crack the code, I don't think, on this one, unless you are Joanna Newsom, maybe Van Dyke Parks, maybe Bill Callahan, maybe Emily Newsom. Maybe they'll be able to crack the code, but I don't think anyone's cracking the code on this one. This one is, this one's a, this one's a labyrinth, without a doubt. This yeah. one is a labyrinth to get through, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to continue to keep continuing listening to this so for now my mercedes viable player is the song only skin the fourth track and longest track on this album sienna do you recommend ease by joanna newsom yes i recommend 10 out of 10 mason uh full recommend for me put it on your list folks uh give yourself the time to listen to this and don't worry if it's feel like even though there's a lot going on, I think that it's a fairly accessible album just because you are going to enjoy listening to it. And I think most, if not uh, all people listening to this should give it a shot. Uh, drop the tenor, listen to it on YouTube or whatever, you know, figure out how to get it for yourself. Uh, but yeah, no, this is something that folks have got to listen to if they haven't already. Noah, how about you? was going to give it a conditional recommend when we started the pod. 
But I'm just going to give it a regular old recommend. Let's just give it the recommend that it deserves, folks. Nice. This one is worth listening to at least once. If you don't like it, I don't blame you, to be honest with you. Like I said at the beginning, she's got a voice that you're either going to sort of be okay with at minimum or you're going to love or you're just going to hate it. So I understand that being a barrier of entry for some people. This is worth one spin. This is worth one hour of your life. Yeah. I recommend this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I recommend it. Speaking of giving something one hour of your life, maybe more, we got a movie to talk about as well. Can you fucking believe it? I know Sienna's pissed that we have a movie to talk about as well. No, Even I, though... I'm excited because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And no. I just well, what is watched it? it again a few days ago and it still it hits every time. Hell yeah, me. brother. Hell yeah. Hell it yeah. Is what called... is that movie? Yeah. It is called L. E-L-L-E, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yes. Starring Isabelle Huppert. Isabelle Huppert. And, um, très bien. This is a good one. Y'all like shooting... <laughs> y'all like, <laughs> okay, I was going to cool. make a shooting hoops <laughs> reference for Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Huppert, but I don't want to say shooting hoops and then say this, you know, suggest Isabel? that we should go. Isabelle Huppert. <laughs> Fucking up tonight, folks. Fucking up. Shooting, I forgot that I don't. Ropes. I, he's, uh, guys. No, he's, he's off that loud. He's on that chiba Oh, shit. Mason, oh, you got to start smoking regular, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got to start smoking fucking regular if you're going to do the podcast after taking the chiba I am only uh, going to be vaping CBD from now on. Hell yeah, brother. Oof. Get that cushy dream shit. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. I just doxed myself big time on that one. Uh, so, Sienna, why did you pick L? to bring on this podcast why did you pick this movie because every time i watch it i feel like i'm left with more questions than answers than than i've started it and i I, it's like i notice something new from it every time and it's um it's very provocative and not like overtly feminist or anything but has a very unique like mm, story about a woman that you just don't see and that you don't see and it's interesting that you picked this Mm -hmm. paul verhoeven movie because as we know you are a stand for showgirls you absolutely love yeah and i i almost picked that one but you know it's not it's not really underrated I think it, I, I would mean, actually I would argue that it, it is underrated because there are you know it's polarizing I, you know what I mean like people like you said people either love it or hate it and there's a lot yeah. to be said about it one way or the other so I was actually surprised yeah. that this was your Verhoeven pick because there is showgirls sitting out sort of in the universe and sitting out in the ether yeah, am right. I disappointed no just merely surprised and so you have this relationship with Verhoeven what is sort of I guess your relationship to mm-hmm. L and Paul Verhoeven sort of as a whole, and then, like, you know, when did you watch this movie the first time? Give us the rundown. Give us your history with this movie. I watched it for the first time a few years ago. Did you see it when it was in theaters? Um, no. Okay. But it was on the... It was on the merry-go-round, like, year-end list, and I was just kind of, like, trying to pick something, and I thought the plot sounded interesting. And boy, oh boy, was it a trip. Yeah. Yeah, no and, shit. And I... And particularly, I think I chose it over Showgirls because obviously, you know, Showgirls is like, it's its own beast. But sure. something that I love in 
movies and what movies can depict as like really twisted relationships, you know, like Phantom Thread or that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's really what I love the most about Elle is like trying to decipher this woman and her relationship to the men around her is extremely fascinating and very unique for um for a male director and it's based off of a book which i think was written by a man so it's Mm -hmm. just it's fascinating Amen. In a word, yeah. you can't describe. What did What did you guys think about it? It was both your first time seeing it. it yes. Yeah, Mason. What's your What's your What's your relationship to L and Paul Verhoeven? Uh, uh, Paul Verhoeven, I mostly know from his boy movies. So Total Recall and RoboCop, huge for me. Love those. Love to either put them on DVD and watch them with my buds, or just uh, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, during the during my Saturday shift. I had one of the free channels on. Uh, like a Pluto TV free channel and Total Recall. Shout out fucking Pluto, Love Pluto TV. TV. <laughs> Love Pluto TV. And so uh, Total Recall was on like the sci-fi or the action channel. And I was like, this better not be the bad Total Recall, which is the remake. And no, it was the original. I was like, hell yes, I can watch some monsters get blowed up on Mars. Love this. Um, <laughs> but I remember when this movie came out in 2016, it was a big deal because it was Paul Verhoeven's first movie since 2004, I think, with Black Book. And, uh, you know, people are going, uh, cuckoo for hoopoo, um, Isabel Huppert in this performance. (laughs) We love her. Mason, man, you are, that, whatever you smoked before this fucking show is hitting me in a really good way. It was regular. Uh, He's smoking regular, buddy. (laughs) And it was like, I was working, um, this came out, I think the fall of 2016. Um, and I remember working my, uh, my paid internship. Uh, in LA at the time and this was causing kind of a stir even like in that like kind of section um, so it was like it's really interesting that this French movie um, is causing this much of a ruckus um, and I, I just never got around to seeing it in theaters I was broke um, and it's been in my net letterbox watch list for a very long time and I'm glad I finally got to Hell get yeah. it off of there uh, and I now having seen L being in a post L world, um, can't describe <laughs> it in one word. And you know what? <laughs> it's a good thing. You don't need to, I, buddy. I'm. Uh, I can't wait to get into this movie. Noah, what is your what is your history with either this movie uh, or with Paul Verhoeven or with both? All right. So check this out, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the story all about how Noah watched. Four Paul Verhoeven movies in one yeah, year. Yeah, brother. And that year was and that year was twenty twenty. Um, I've seen five Paul Verhoeven movies in total. My first one that I ever watched actually was Showgirls. Watched it in high school with a friend because we knew how bad, quote unquote, that it was. It was. It be wasn't one of for the full nudity. Yeah, it wasn't. So you could not. You know, so you could, uh, you, could, you know, yank your little ropers off. Yeah, you could, you can compare, bro. you could compare with your, with your bro. In the basement. <laughs> Brother, I promise, I promise you, the last thing I was doing with this man was comparing my dick <laughs> to, this, to this friend of mine. If anything, I was, you know, I was, I was, a, I was the originator of social distancing. With this guy going, all right, six feet apart, brother. J.K. The size of my dick apart, brother. While we watch Showgirls. 
We're watching it on his fucking couch. And I'm like, yep, yeah, this is bad. But I'm also like 16 years old while I'm watching this. So I just was going to think it was bad regardless. It is a movie that I really need to rewatch. Up until 2020, that was the only Paul Verhoeven movie I had seen. Wow. But especially in the early days of lockdown, the types of movies that I was most interested in watching were sci-fi movies and action movies. And even better, brothers and sisters and non-binary folks out there, <laughs> theys. Envies. If it Exactly. If it was a sci-fi action movie, that was the fucking yeah, icing on the cake. That was the cherry on top. Ooh. So I watched RoboCop mm-hmm. for the first time this year. I watched it for the first time I... this year also. When? Um, I don't know. Earlier this year. <laughs> so, same, me too. <laughs> so I watched that movie for the first time. Sienna watched that movie for the first time this year. That movie's so movie fucking, fucking good. Slaps. Yep. That movie is so, so fucking good. It doesn't matter that it was made in 1980 or came out in 1987. The technology in the movie still feels fun. It, the satire and sort of the so like greater fun. points. So funny when the police, uh, when the police robot falls down the stairs. Like, come yes. on, that that so is fucking yeah. good. It has only become <laughs> more relevant as time goes on, which is hilarious and frightening mm-hmm. in equal measure and i'm sure it makes paul verhoeven very satisfied <laughs> yeah no kidding dude and for lack of a for you know for better or worse robocop is a criterion film believe it or not if you didn't know it that. is in the criterion collection i don't think you can get a spine very easily but it is technically in the criterion collection so i watched that movie earlier this year and i was like damn robocop was so good i did not think it was going to be nearly as good as it was i gotta check out this other movie that this guy did called total recall and I didn't like Total Recall as much, did truthfully, did not like it as much, wasn't as into the the sort of the secret sauce of that movie, whatever it was, didn't really hit for me yeah, at the time. Mm-hmm. It's probably lower on my Paul Verhoeven list of the five that I've seen. Probably number four, honestly, without having mm-hmm. rewatched Showgirls, you know, in the last like seven years. But I still enjoyed it for the most part. So I'm like, damn, I got to check out. Whatever the other Paul Verhoeven movie is that we all really like, Starship Troopers, while Starship Troopers was still on Netflix. And that movie has peaks and valleys. Not going to lie, there's parts of that movie that are really, really good and parts of that movie where I'm like, man, I kind of wish I wasn't watching it. I fell asleep during that one. I'm sorry. Whoa, you fell asleep during Starship Troopers? Yeah. What the hell? I was just, I was really tired, though. That's okay. I'm I'm going to rewatch it. But go on. You are tired. You are literally talking to the king of falling asleep during movies. <laughs> yeah. Has outlined on our... Uh, was that our last episode, Mace? That was the, that was the last episode because it's... It, yes, that was the last episode. Hell yeah. Listen to that episode if you haven't to understand my falling asleep in movies obsession. I know who just entered the room. Ryan is here. <laughs> Shout out, Ryan. Oh, boy. Plastic <laughs> King Ryan. Welcome, Chef. Yeah, he can't hear this. He doesn't know. Uh, he'll never hear this. The he'll never know. say welcome, Ryan. <laughs> One of the hosts says, welcome, Ryan. Happy happy to be a guest on the famous podcast. Yeah, you're not a guest on the podcast, brother. Uh, But anyway, so uh, watched uh, Starship Troopers when it was still on Netflix. Really, really liked it overall. I'm like, damn, this Paul Verhoeven guy really does have the secret sauce. Then then Sienna comes in to the fucking chat, and she says, we are talking about Elle on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I said, holy moly, my fourth Verhoeven of the year. How could this be? This must have been meant to be. This must have been how it was meant to happen. And now we're here talking about L. And ladies and gentlemen, folks of all ages, 
This movie fucking rocks. This movie is amazing, and I can't believe I hadn't seen it until now. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't think I knew what this movie was even a little bit about. If anyone and knows that's what this good. movie's about before they watch it. Exactly. It tells yeah, you in right. the first minute of the movie what it's about. And I think that's an extremely big dick move of Paul Verhoeven. Well, so if it tells you in the first minute what it's about, what does it tell you in the first minute that it's going to be about? Um, the main character, Michelle, uh, she's a mature woman. She gets violently raped in her home. And... The whole rest of the movie is, I don't want to say she's trying to get revenge, but she's trying to make make amends with it or solve it for it's, herself without the help of anyone else. It's Yeah, like that's the event that happens in the movie that kind of like... Um, I knew that that was what the movie was about beforehand. That's what the, everyone like wouldn't stop talking about. Basically, uh, did not know that it was like literally the first thing that happens in that movie. <laughs> right. It's so very once, charming. Once the credits, end, yeah. So once the credits end and it's this black, it's this black screen, and you just hear these these sounds of a violent sexual assault happening. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna strap mm-hmm. myself in under my weighted blanket here and let's go, Al. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I like about this movie is that it's um about this awful event that happens to uh and i had this written down in my notes that like it starts off and you it's this, a movie about an awful event that happens to a person that you think is awful and then you realize as the movie goes on like how this kind of like becomes this thing where she has to like kind of explore her personality and her relationships to, to men, the men in her life primarily her father um and also just like it causes kind of a tectonic shift in her personality. And that's really like, it, for me, the joy in this movie was like following this character. Um, as she sort of, ex- I, like, I feel like ex- she's like constantly ex- negotiating power. Yes, exactly. In those relationships and being like, when, when is she going to give the men in her life? Like the upper hand or something, this is, you right, know, right. that was mm-hmm. the, I just, again, I do nothing about this movie going in. And I think the greatest joy for me about watching this movie is I feel like we had a period of time where we were really interested as a culture on anti-heroes. We were really interested in Tony Soprano and Walter White and Don Draper. And we were really interested sort of as a culture about the idea of someone doing bad things, quote unquote, for quote unquote the right reasons. That's what and we mostly were mostly men too. And mostly men. Yeah. And in this movie, this is a true, in my eyes, anti hero. You're never one hundred percent sure if what she's doing is quote unquote the right thing to do, or if you're worried about like like how those ramifications are gonna affect her later. Does she actually care? She's just absolutely eating up scenery left and right, absolutely owning the space that she's in and she's so willing to deal with consequences in this just stoic stone cold face way where like just trying to put myself in these situations where I'm like oh my god I would not know what to do in any instance of these situations happening and she's handling this 
you know, like she literally, you know, not to make a pun out of it, but she has the cheat codes to the game because she works at a fucking video. She's the CEO of a video game company, of a developing company, which counts as a gamer mm-hmm. movie. So if you ever do a list of gamer movies, you can count this movie on the gamer movie list. Let's go. <laughs> this is the best rise. video game gamers. movie of all time. <laughs> gamers, gamers rise. rise. Gamers rise up. But I was so fucking impressed with just <laughs> the ability that the filmmakers and the performers in this movie really just dig their claws in and say, okay, you're going to see people do things in this movie that A, aren't comfortable to watch, B, potentially make, quote-unquote, the wrong decision, but they're going to fucking stick to their guns. And I just thought it was ballsy on all fronts. I thought it was risky, and I thought it was interesting to watch every step of the way because it's not a traditional narrative in the sense that this thing, then we're going to do this thing, and this thing leads to this thing. She's, like, handling her life with this traumatic event that's happened at the very beginning of the movie, that's almost like basically the inciting incident of the film and everything else in the movie tapers off the fact that in the beginning of the movie, she's raped. And the first shot of the movie is a cat. That's crazy to start your movie off as the first shot of the movie being a cat too. Mm-hmm. And I heard, I don't know if this is in my fast facts or not, but I heard and I read that they were going to kill that cat off at one point <gasps> during the movie. No. And I can't believe that they even thought to do that because that cat is the fucking, it's not my official Mercedes Valuable player, but that is a fucking MVP of this movie. <laughs> when she lifts up the cat, she's like, you could have yeah, smashed exactly. his yeah, eyes out. Yeah, exactly. to fucking least. blind him. <laughs> it's like, it's, that's one of the best things about the movie is that it's like, <laughs> This horrible thing, like, keeps happening to her and has happened to her, but it's still, like, they've woven, like, a exactly. just a black comedy yeah. to it that is so smart without being, like, uh, patronizing or, like, unnecessary. And I, I you know what I mean? I love movie that almost without, like, just directing you to, uh, directing you to feel this way in any sort of, like, overt way that you you begin to look at every single man in her life with like a degree of suspicion and think that they could be responsible for even before you know who it is. I'm watching this movie and I'm like, it's Mm -hmm. very reasonable to think that any, like any of the men that she works at did this to her. Her ex-husband might've, you don't, you never know. I don't think her, I ever thought her son would have, but you know, like you understand the, the, the sort of inherent danger that this woman lives in um all of her life and also why she would not go to the police to report this event too because oh man some fucked up shit's been happening to her her entire life basically do we want to do we want to reveal Mm -hmm. what that is or do we want to leave that for people to actually watch the movie and find that out what do we think I say we leave it. I say we leave it up to. Let's pillows. leave. Yeah, let's leave that for. Let's leave that as a secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a very, that's a very yeah. interesting turn that the movie makes, and that's what I. That's what I was basically really trying to get at is that every single moment where you think that they're gonna go left in this movie, they either go right or they go left so hard that you can't keep up with the turn that things are taking. And it is worth noting <laughs> that um, Michelle's mom in the movie, the mother character, at one point says on the list she says the phrase she does say on, on the, list. the list i didn't get it oh <laughs> shout yeah, out yeah, yeah shout yeah. out so i didn't get a chance to screenshot that but i really wanted to but she does name drop the show in in the movie <laughs> uh the, but the, the black comedy element that you're talking about sienna is i think kind of also mm-hmm. the other part of the secret sauce of this movie that works because when you have a movie that opens up with a rape I was never in a million years thinking that we were. I was going to be laughing 
like throughout the rest of the movie, whether it was like a sly laugh or right. like a sort of like right. you know like little thing that they were saying, or sometimes just straight up laughing out loud at how crazy things had gotten. But they do. Yeah, or even like how just when she's like passive aggressive and stuff, it's it's very like at the Christmas party that that whole Christmas party scene, and she she's like calling her ex-husband's girlfriend by the wrong name and, like, leaves a toothpick in the hors d'oeuvre for her. And it's, like, things like that where it it makes her such a... You are rooting for her. And I don't really want to call her an anti-hero because it's, like... She's kind of mean and passive-aggressive, but, like... For good reason, because she she can't trust anyone. Yeah, I think the answer because of these horrible things that have happened. Well, to I think her. the antihero thing was more of a was more of a sort of defining way of me being like. There were times where I was just like, I don't know if I'm on her side for like the degrees of which she's going to to like do some of these things that she's going to like when she asks the guy to hack every computer like in the thing and he was like isn't that aren't i gonna get fucking fired for that and she's like do you actually want your job in the first place basically and basically blackmails him i'm like damn Mm -hmm. that's like pretty nuts so (laughs) like ask the one guy at your company who like overtly likes you basically to do that because she is a bit of a prickly pear of a character she's Mm -hmm. not a warm person she's not an inviting person but she's an interesting person all through and through she's a very complex person and isabel huper Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know if i don't know who else could have played this role dude like holy bananas yeah holy shit i was watching a a, like a q a thing that verhoeven and uper did at lincoln center for this movie um in preparation for the podcast i was watching this youtube video and they were talking about uh, someone asked Uper. Uh, there was something about like what was it like working with Verhoeven or like how were you directed and stuff. And she was like, she was like, he didn't really direct me much at all. Like he just kind of trusted me as an actor, and he picked her out, you know, specifically for this role and. Um, he wasn't, Verhoeven, he wasn't even specifically intending to make, like, a feminist movie or anything, but it's, like, he really gave her the reins to, like, use her experience as a woman to inform this role, and in that way, it's, like, you know, it's her, it's her voice and and her acting, like, from the inside out. It's not necessarily because of anything that like Verhoeven specifically told her to do which I think is really fascinating um because like we've said like she's not she's not like a good person quote-unquote like she's not a girl next door kind of a thing she's she's mm, got a lot of bite to her very can be very off-putting and um it's very intimidating Mm -hmm. and I think you know, culturally, that's, like, hard for people to swallow in a woman, and she she brings just such a, a an honesty to the role, where it's, like, she's not, like, this weak feminine, it's not, like, a weak femininity that she has. She, it's, it's almost like she's, like, 
an overexertion, like trying to take up space. She she has her defense mechanisms. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she has her way of going through the world. And the the remarkable and the great thing about this movie is it you start off on, basically only knowing uh, about this woman through this awful thing that happened to her. And the more you learn about her, the more, like, your relationship to her is, like, kind of... It's a great point. Not, not like, kind of... I don't want to say brought into question, but you're, like... You're, like, oh, man, like, I can totally see, like, why you would do this if this happened to you. And, you know, this... And this. It's a very, like... Very, like, Buffalo 66 in that way. Yeah, exactly. Buffalo 66 was on my mind when I was watching this. Um, I think it's... it's oof. I, I always get these two mixed up, but you can, like... You can empathize with her, even if you can't sympathize with her, or the other way around. I think it's, the, I think it's the other way around, where even if you okay, can't okay, empathize okay. with her, you can probably sympathize with mm-hmm. her. Like, man, yes, okay. she's she's having a rough one, folks. She's taking some L's. Big she's having a rough one. She took some like L's. Thirty years, dude. Like that's the thing, too. And at least she's not well, fucking posting them online. Am I right, ladies and gentlemen? Ooh, true. Ladies <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna L's. see you're not gonna see Michelle LeBlanc in a uh, in a cringe compilation. <laughs> No, hell no. And if it was, she would be the one who fucking like ordered the cringe compilation to be made, and it would be every you know man in her life just like a fucking humiliation reel on these on these guys. Yeah, um, that I awful video game she's making, dude. That I would play that game. Are you kidding me, Sienna? Are you playing that game? I don't know. The one guy in the movie said that the the controls were all fucked up, so. Yeah. I don't know what to think on that. Yeah, maybe that was that world's version of cyberpunk. <laughs> like straight. <laughs> oh God. Right She's like, you need to be able to make the genitals bigger and smaller. <laughs> in whatever, in cyberpunk 2077, you will be able to remove your rib to suck your own cock. In cyberpunk <laughs> 2077. You will be able to watch L in cyberpunk 2077. Um, is there anything else? Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. I want to ask you guys a question. What? Something that still kind of baffles me, and I watched it again a few days ago, like, in preparation for oh, the yeah, podcast. Okay. I was doing my research. Yeah. Oh, good guest here. She um, watched the movie. I did. And um, the the ending still I'm glad you brought baffles this up. me. I'm glad you brought this I think up. I, I think I've got my own kind of reasoning for it now upon my last rewatch but i want to know what you guys think about the final uh do over i i don't know no do you want to we're gonna spoil anything yeah do but... you want to do you want to talk about this first sure before i before i wait, from what point onward are you are you discussing sienna are you talking about like once the big thing at the end happens onward is that what you're is that what you're when someone gets bonked on the head head from that point forward yeah someone gets bonked on the head but it's not by michelle right and that has always kind of confounded me except on my last rewatch i i I made up an excuse an explanation what number rewatch was this for you uh i don't know maybe like six or seven Oh shit! Okay, so we wow. got a swag master in the house. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I didn't think you were gonna say six or seven because I mean, there's movies I love that I've only seen twice, you know, three times maybe max. So I just didn't know if this was rewatch three for you. Maybe this was your second time rewatching it, but six or seven. Okay, so we got we got a real fucking we got an L expert mm-hmm. here. 
I don't know why, to be totally honest with you. It never would really it never really crossed my mind other than the fact that like she is in immediate danger, mm-hmm. you know? And the son and her have had a, you know, rocky relationship basically, and there's some even questioning whether or not at a certain level there's a read about whether her son is even her son. There's a question of that in the movie as well at a certain point. But I didn't really know, to be honest with you. That's a really interesting question. The only reason I can think is purely because she is incapable of doing it. Like, literally incapable of doing it in the scene. Like, there was been, been no way for her to pull that off right. in that moment. That was the only thing I thought of. Mason, do you have a thought on that? Um, I think, yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking, actually, Sienna, about, like, the ending ending. So the things that happen after that, where it becomes, like, almost too tight. Mm, when too she's nice, at the mausoleum and... Whatnot. Yeah, was, is that what we're talking about? No, or are we right talking before about, that. We can talk about. Okay, okay. Uh, I th- so um, it makes sense to me that that you know that kid doesn't know what's uh, or I, <laughs> the 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 fel- the person that does the bonking doesn't know the context of the situation, um, and really all you can say at that point I think is like. Um, I don't know. You kind of, I, I kind of understand where the the bonk e is at that. Point. Yeah, he had no outside information at all of the whatever bonky. could have happened. Like to him, it looks like it needs to happen. You know, like whatever yeah, I'm yeah, about to do yeah. is completely justified in every way, shape, and form. But what's your take on that, Sienna? For me, it kind of comes back to this whole video game element where she's she's trying to replay the, replay the situation with a different strategy every time. And she's, she's tried everything. And this final time, like, what else is she supposed to do? She's got to, she's just got to give up control. And, um, sure. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's really fascinating. Like, I don't know. I, it was kind of off-putting to me at first. I was like, well, why is why is that him? It's like the, her loser's son that, like, saves her. But it's really, like, mm, she she's tried everything she can, and she, in order for her, you, we find out after the fact, you know, that they they are beginning to have a better relationship, her and her son and her daughter-in-law and stuff like that. And I think it's because she has to make room for that person in the relationship. Like the whole movie, she's mm, kind of okay. fighting to to be the alpha, <laughs> so to speak. And yeah. um, in that final moment uh she's gotta she's gotta let someone else help her and it's yeah and it's and it's it doesn't seem very like capital f feminist when you look at it but in the context of the story it makes sense and i think it's actually very real way to have a relationship with someone like um yeah to to treat to let to let someone in she's always like got her guard up sure and holding people at a distance and finally 
she's got this opportunity, even though it's nasty and maybe she doesn't have much of a choice in it, but her son can step in and show up for her. And that's, that's all she needed to, to help her like trust again, you know, does that make sense? It does make sense. No, I love that read. I love that read. And I only just figured that out, like, or just kind of explained that to myself upon my last rewatch. Like, it's always, it's always really left me with questions. And that is sort of what you were saying at the very beginning. It's a movie that dares to just sort of ask questions without feelings or obligated to try and answer those questions that it's asking. And sometimes that is the the best choice you can make as a filmmaker is to just say, I'm going to ask the question because the fact that I asked it is more important than trying to find an answer. And it's a tricky thing to do because it can come across as sort of lazy filmmaking on a mm-hmm. certain level. It can come across as like not really knowing, you know, not very good writing at a certain level, not very like understanding of what kind of movie you're sa- making and what sort of like story you're telling. But it's a really great read, something that I never had even crossed my mind. So thank you for sharing that version of that read with Mason and I salute to you, <laughs> Chef Sienna. Um, is there anything else we need to say? Because we do need to do the wrap out stuff for this movie as well. And I do have some fast facts. Uh, no, let's just do it. I think I've, I've oh, said good. I think this. Sienna, I think can this I move? movie is yeah. awesome. And we said what we, what had to be said about it. Throw out those fast facts, chef. Let's go fast facts with Noe. Paul Verhoeven stated that he felt like the move felt the movie was an opportunity to quote do something very different to anything he's done before. But this is stepping into the unknown. I think it's very important that in the life of an artist, it puts or I think that is very important in the life of an artist. It puts you in an existential mode. As an artist, you have to as much as possible step into the unknown and see what happens to you. So that's the first little fast fact, Paul Verhoeven. After producer, I believe it's Saeed Ben Saeed, I believe is how you say that. Not 100% sure on that. Sent Paul Verhoeven a copy of the book by Philippe Dejan. Dejan. Uh, Verhoeven's interest was immediately piqued. The initial plan was to produce the movie in the United States, but there were problems finding a female lead. Nicole Kidman, Sharon Stone, Julianne Moore, and Diane Lane were all offered the role, but they all passed mm. on the Nicole opportunity. Nicole Kidman would have been... That, that would have been yeah. a good American pick. Well, she's not even American, but... She's Australian, Mike. She's an Australian, Mike. It would have been a good English-speaking pick, yeah. for damn sure. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Marion Cotillard, and then I don't know this mm. next name, so I believe it's Carice Van Houten, I believe, uh, were also considered. Verhoeven told The Guardian that the only American actress who would have been game, he thinks, was Jennifer Jason Lee. And he goes on to say, now, she would have had that? absolutely no problem. She's extremely audacious, but she's an artistic presence, and we were looking for names, mm. he said. Verhoeven revealed that Isabel Huppert had heard plans to adapt the book and called around to express her interest in the project long before he himself had finally gotten involved. Fortunately, they both wanted to work with each other for a long time, and Huppert was like an immediate lock at that point. Before the production began, Verhoeven went to a Dutch language institute to learn French in order better to communicate with his cast and crew. He said it was simply... I know, that's crazy to have to learn a whole new language just to make a movie. Uh, He said it was simply necessary because, according to tradition, making a French movie should be done with an all-French crew. He, of course, is Danish. He doesn't speak French before this. Uh, And he said he initially spoke English with them, but this did not work. And fortunately, Verhoeven had been to French school in his youth, so he was able to pick up on the language quickly. 
To use a film school term, Verhoeven's mise-en-scene for the film was influenced by three films specifically. Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half, Jean Wenra's The Rules of the Game, which I, that's a really, that you can see it, I think, uh, and Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. I'm not seeing Touch of Evil, so I don't know. Hmm. Every scene was choreographed, and Verhoeven storyboarded the entire film himself, which that's, to storyboard an entire feature film, let alone a film that's over two hours, dude, that would make me want to... In French, French, L means she or her. I didn't know that, to be honest with you, until I read that. I honestly thought L was just short for Michelle, which is Mm -hmm. her name in the movie. And I thought that that was like her little nickname. Never would have guessed. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for saying that's fair. Uh, I would not have guessed that this was actually the French language sequel to the Spike Jones film, but we can move on. Oh, Mason, I'm going to give you a big old kiss when we're done for that one. Um, according to editor Job Tiberg, over half an hour of material ended up on the cutting room floor, which is unusual for a Verhoeven movie where it's usually only a few minutes, which that's pretty amazing I within itself. That. Like, that most of what he... subplot that was cut off, right? Like, do you have any so it's on a... what was left on the floor? I do. It says there was a New Year's Eve party with the main characters was among the deleted scenes when it turned out to be redundant following the Christmas Eve dinner scene. There were some sex scenes uh, between Isabel Huppert and the Robert character that did not make the final cut. And then finally, like I said before, this wasn't my fast facts. That's how I knew it. Michelle's cat was supposed to die, explaining why the animal does not return in the movie. But Verhoeven thought that there were enough deaths in the film already. So shout out to Paul Verhoeven for saying, we ain't killing the cat on screen. He's a true ally to feline. I think, you you know, you read off those like deleted scenes and I think the, the edit is just perfect. I think that the pacing of the movie is really so good. It, it's always moving forward but nothing's ever like totally unexplained and or like left behind and you're never fully playing like catch up with the movie like it's never moving in a clip that's like Mm -hmm. too too fast to fully process what's going on but they move fast enough to the point where you just sort of have to accept what's happening and then like continue to process what's happening i thought the editing in this movie was magnifique Mm. as they say uh, and the only other fast fact I have is the video game shown toward the beginning of the film is an actual video game called Sticks Master of Shadows, which that is my epic fact of the day. I didn't know that. I didn't know that <laughs> my was epic a real video game. Man, that's a real, Neither did a real I. bacon fact there. Thank you, Chef. Hell yeah, a real epic bacon slice <laughs> of a fact. Uh, Sienna, what's your, what's your Mercedes valuable player of this oh, movie? shoot. I know. You, 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 it always sneaks up on you. We never tell our guests about this ahead okay, of time. Okay, yeah. no, I have it. I have it, though. It's, okay, it's such a small thing, but it's, like, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. And it's, like, yeah. the first time she gets a message from uh, the, 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 the assailant, assailant uh, that she still doesn't know who it is. And she she starts to get a a phone call from an unknown number and then her phone dies and she goes oh and for some reason it makes me laugh (laughs) so hard because she's like oh (laughs) like oh my phone died i don't know yeah relatable moments that's my that's my little my little thingy i love that my Mercedes Valuable Player, I'm actually going to give a co-Mercedes Valuable Player. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny, Noah. Uh, it's got to be Isabelle Huppert. The movie is just 
just rides mm-hmm. on her back and she never for a second drops yeah. the ball. Like never for a second. No scene is taken off in this film, no matter how insignificant it might seem in the greater scheme of everything. She's always on her game. Truly an amazing performance. And then you might think I'm going to give my other co-Mercedes Bible player to Paul Verhoeven since he's the director, but I'm not. I'm going to give my other Mercedes Bible player to David Burke, the screenwriter of this film. Very cool. It might be a fluke because every other movie that I looked up that he's written has looked absolutely fucking <laughs> terrible uh, in relation to this one. But I just thought the script was so good and so funny and always moved in such an interesting direction. Like I said, I never could get in front of the movie and I wasn't trying to get in front of the movie, but I literally was like, I have no mm-hmm. idea where we're going. And that's probably a testament to the combination of the script and the direction from Verhoeven. But I'm going to choose to give it to David Burke. So my co-Mercedes Bible players are Isabelle Huppert and David Burke, the screenwriter. Mason, what about you? Uh, just one for me, and that is uh, Isabelle Huppert, because you just you just simply love to see her, folks. And um, this is a... Uh, no, you know, no disrespect to Paul Verhoeven and his job sort of guiding this thing through, but I don't think that... She's kind of the North Star of this movie. Um, totally. I don't, you know, she's the one that is guiding, I think, the story. And she is in such um, command and control. She's honestly one of my favorite actors. I've loved every single thing I, I've seen her in. Anyone here seen the movie Greta with Chloe Moretz? Where she's, no, no, chef. no. But it's, it's pretty, on the list. It's, it's a pretty oh. silly movie. I saw it. Uh, I saw it at the Vista Theater oh. in Los Angeles. That movie? Yeah. That's her in that yeah. movie. Oh yeah. shit! And that was actually in that internship I mentioned earlier. That script came across the, my desk. Um, I, at one time, I think it was supposed to be Jodie Foster was going to play Greta, which also would have been great. But the <laughs> oh, fact that it's two pair really just elevates that to a certain point. Um, no, I love Isabel Huppert. Uh, this is a great movie. She got nominated for a freaking Academy Award for this, which is like... And huh, she didn't win? No, because that win. was uh, 2017. That was the year that um, Emma Stone won for La La Land. Oh, what? Sure. Wait. I mean, I, I liked La La Land, Classic. but Emma Stone won over Isabelle Hubert for this? I like La La Land. I like Emma Stone a lot. There is plenty of time for her to get her an Academy Award for a performance that she will be... Uh, not, she's never bad. She's great in La La Land, like I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Should have been Hooper's year. Should have been Hooper's year. After she won it. the Golden Globe, though, I do think, which not not the same as an Oscar, but I do... It. She won the Golden Globe, as far as I know. I know this movie won best foreign film at the Golden Globes as well. So getting a little love on that circuit, the whatever Hollywood that circuit means. The Hollywood did go gaga for, for L, even if the Academy did not. But um, what are you going to do? Literally absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sienna, do you recommend L? 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. Mason? Um, I recommend conditionally it's not a conditional recommend but it's a movie that i recommend conditionally if you know that a movie about someone uh if if you know that a movie with a rape in the first minute is not going to be something you're interested in watching i would say judge that for yourself but if that is a thing that you know uh you can handle then watch this movie i think that no matter what you will be surprised and go on a journey and you'll at least have some reaction to what's going on so i can't do a full recommend i can't even like recommend it without reservations so that's why it's not a conditional recommend it's a recommendation with uh condition so noe how about you bud 
Full recommend. Sienna, <laughs> thank you. Cool. Sienna, thank you so much for coming on to the show. This has been a real treat. You are our last guest of 2020. Oh, yes. This is the moment where you get to plug whatever you want if you want to do so. So plug um, away. Please subscribe to the Merry-Go-Round Magazine Patreon uh, so that yes, we yes. can pay our writers. There's really good work on there. That is how I found out about L was from a uh, year-end list. Uh, Carter Moon wrote the blurb. And um, folks, besides that... Folks, folks, I am a patron for Mario Ram Magazine. I got a cool sticker when I became a patron last year, so definitely support the good folks over there. We love them. Thank you, King. I'm also a patron. You do get a little sticker. Uh, when Thomas was still the head honcho over there, he wrote me a little note that said thanks for being a patron. But maybe CJ will also write you a note. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe maybe that's worth it alone. But just giving $2 to merry-go-round uh, is absolutely worth your time and absolutely worth the $2 coming out of your bank account mm-hmm. every single month so that they can pay their writers so that you can actually have a job that you like. <laughs> so shout out to having a job you can actually like. And that's what... Is that is that your is that your big plug or do you have something else? That's a big plug. I don't I don't ask people to follow me on Twitter or Instagram because it's That's for the real ones yeah, only. It's wild west out there. You kind of you got to find your you way kinda, there. You I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you also kind of just did when you said I don't tell people to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. That is in a way telling people to follow <laughs> you on Twitter and it, Instagram. Don't follow me on there. It's not worth it. Damn. Damn. All right. Well, all right, that's fine. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, a podcast about people's favorite things. You can listen to the episode I did with Sienna, if you haven't heard that episode, where we talked about her time working on a cruise ship. Woo, we love that. That was a great episode, fun to record. You're actually still in NYC when we recorded that, that believe it or not. That was, so that was actually a little bit ago at this point. Damn. It was, oh shit. It wasn't actually as long ago as I thought it was, but there we go. <laughs> uh, this coming week... We have an episode with fuck who? Oh yes, okay. <laughs> we have an episode. <laughs> have an episode with everyone's favorite tweeter, Ben Rotenberg. We will be talking about Windy City Heat. I'm actually going to watch that as soon as I get off the mic with these lovely folks. You can follow that show on Twitter and Instagram. My other little recommendo, you can, you know, you follow the link tree. You can do whatever you want. Follow me or not. I don't really give a shit at this point. I hate this podcast. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't care anymore. Um, no, I do care. I actually love doing this podcast. So that's one of the it's keeping me fucking Just sane. Just plug right your now. thing, <laughs> with you. All right, fine. Toasty Digital uh, on YouTube does Kanye West remixes, and they're really cool. Mason, bring us out. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at HotDogDebicki. Follow me on Letterboxd under my name, Mason. Uh, Listen to my other podcast, The Barn, a podcast about The Shield, which I host with Connor Crockford. Uh, Other than that, I don't know if I have much more to plug. You know what? I will do this. I will plug this. My sister has a podcast that just started called Old Friends Who Just Met. It is a Muppets podcast. There are three episodes out now. I listen to all three. It is delightful. She is a good podcast host. It is a fun show. So listen to that. Maybe she'll be on the show. Do your parents have a podcast too? Uh, we'll get them started on that. It, uh, it runs in the family. <laughs> it does. The McGuire yes. Podcast Empire. Other than that, folks, uh, same thing we do every single week. Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter. Abolish Defund the Police. Fuck Donald Trump. And tell someone you love him this week. Uh, that's all we got to say. 
Sienna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, folks, we'll see you next week for the year-end wrap-up show. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Uh, so, folks, this is Mason coming in right after the show. We got uh, Ryan, uh, Sienna's uh, loved one, with us. Ryan, how'd you feel about the film L? Uh, pretty good. One of one of the uh, one of the better films I've seen in the last uh, month. Uh, top nice, five. Nice, dude. I've have we I'm, I've maybe seen five movies in the last month. Top five for sure. Yeah, uh, excellent. Check on this pasta. No, nah, bro. Check, else, check the pasta. Yeah, check the pasta. What else have you seen this month, Ryan? Um, that's a good question. We just watched Eraserhead, which I did not like, but I, really liked. I liked it a lot. Yeah, that. Yeah, is, I'm with Ryan on that one. Yeah, I love that movie, but that also weirdly might be a weird like guy movie. Now that I'm thinking about it, to be honest. It's a big time guy movie. I,